0: extremely excited today to be given the mark. Thank you so much, um, Stan and the, uh, Heather and the eldership for that, and Drew and Megan for entrusting me with the youth and, and, and this morning. Um, you know, at youth at the moment, the theme is superheroes, and I'm sure many of you have heard about the big hype that's happening with superheroes. Who has gone to see Endgame here? It's not just the youth, I know. Put up your hands if you've gone to see it. Who as you still want to go and see it? Who have you seen? That's great. You know, my favorite part has been Thanos. And uh, what's that person name? Oh, come on, man. They don't mind. They're old, man. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. So Who of you doesn't know what I'm talking about? Put up your hands. That's great. That's great, too. Jesus loves us all. Jesus loves us all. So, the superhero theme Marvel is busy making trillions and trillions of dollars. They've been releasing all these different uh, superhero movies. And the theme for youth at the moment is Jesus, the real superhero, which I think is so appropriate. And Jesus is our personal hero. He's our personal superhero. And uh, today I'm going to be talking a little bit about Jesus, the superhero, together with one of these other guys that I've actually found to be a hero of mine. Um, Let me just check my notes quickly. So the title of my message this morning, can you take out your Bibles, please, is Ephesians 4 verse 1. So, if you haven't got there, it's okay. The title is, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. If you look a little bit earlier on in that verse, it actually says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Paul is writing from prison, probably in Rome, and he's writing to the church of Ephesus. And in the first three chapters of the book, he starts to expound on the gospel. He starts to speak about this glorious inheritance that we as believers have uh, received in Christ. He then goes on to outline how we are to live as a result and the response of our hearts to this. And therefore he says, Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. If you look at a key verse that I'm going to use in this morning's sermon as well, it's Ephesians 5 verse 1 and 2. Quickly go there. It's a chapter later. It says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so, as a response to the first three chapters, I briefly want to summarize this. Paul speaks about how we were called before we were even born, how we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, how Christ himself was crucified, in a sense in God's plan before the foundation of the world. It says that we have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. It says that we have received the Spirit. The Spirit is a seal that has been given to us ensuring that when we die one day and we are judged, we are going to be with Jesus. It is a seal of of His approval. Not only is it a seal of His approval and and, uh, of of the final um, being with Christ one day, it's also what enables us to be called sons and daughters of God. And when we believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and the, the Bible says we cried, Abba, Father. We become children of God. And it says we get to share together with Christ in his inheritance as well as with his sufferings. It says that it was God's will and his purpose that he would send his son to die for us. It says that it gave him great pleasure for him to send his son to us. Not only was it his will and his purpose, but it was his pleasure that he would send his son, that you and I could become sons and daughters of God. Think of it for a moment. Sometimes we just think, oh, I need to accept Jesus because this is the right thing to do. I don't want to go to hell or I've experienced his love. But actually, it was his pleasure. Even though we were separated from God, even though we are sinners, and the Bible talks talks about us being enemies of God, he says that it was his pleasure to send his son down To die for us, Jesus came down as a man, as a no, humbled Himself, and lived a life, uh, bringing the kingdom of God and revealing the glory of God, and then out of love, everything was out of love. But the pinnacle of His love was then when He went to the cross and laid down everything for for us. What an incredible Savior! What a real superhero Jesus really is. This morning, I want to play a short clip for you. If the guys at the back can play it. This is this, uh, this man, before you play it, this man has inspired me. And the reason he's inspired me is because I've seen Jesus in him. And I can compare his life a little bit with Jesus. We see Paul saying, follow me as I follow Christ. And I would like to suggest that maybe this morning we can follow a little bit of what this man has done uh, as we watch this movie. So can you hit the play button, please? Give credit to the Washington Post for this. We need some sound, please. Can you pause it so that we can watch it with the sound? Thank you. Can you start it again, please? You guys might think
1: I'm crazy, John Chow wrote in his diary, but I think it's worthwhile to declare Jesus to these people. The self-styled American missionary killed days later by an isolated tribe on a remote island. Fishermen reportedly told police he was hit by an arrow, then buried on the island. God, I don't want to die, the 26-year-old Vancouver native wrote, according to journal entries published in the Washington Post.
0: His cheerfulness, his joy, um, <laughs> we'll, just, we'll never be able to, um, to get that back. And it's... it's- really hard.
1: An Oral Roberts University graduate, he was always devoted to God, friends say.
2: Put his life on the line for, um, for Christ. That's, that's really what his goal was.
1: East of India, in the Andaman Sea, the people of Sentinel Island have been isolated for centuries. Chow, who posted his international travels on Instagram, calling himself an explorer and snakebite survivor, wrote of an earlier attempt to reach the island. I hollered, my name is John. I love you. And Jesus loves you. Then an arrow pierced his waterproof Bible, he said. In a statement shared on his Instagram page, Chow's family wrote, words cannot express the sadness we have experienced about this report. We had nothing but love for the Sentinelese people. We forgive those reportedly responsible for his death. Why does this beautiful place have to have so much death here? He asked before his fateful trip to Sentinel. I hope this isn't one of my last notes, but if it is, to God be the glory. Brilliant. So that
0: guy, John Chow, I hope I'm pronouncing his surname correctly. I watched this, uh, or I heard about this last year in uh, end of November, and this is actually when it all happened. And I was cut to the core, and I thought, yes, Jesus. Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, do I love you, and do I love people like this guy? I mean, that's radical, the fact that he would prepare himself. The the article that I read, I must just give credit, it's... um, was the New Yorker. It just spoke about how he had heard about this Central East people, and for about 10 years or so, as a teenager, and in fact for 10 years he'd been preparing himself to go to this island and to preach the gospel to these people. Just the love that he had experienced from the Father, he wanted to give to these people. and uh, He was actually 26 when he went there. Funny, Derek was saved at 26. But he went there at 26 and he just, he gave everything. And he had some, somehow experienced the love of God and wanted to impart that to other people and was willing to lay down everything for that. And I was inspired by his obedience. I just thought, you know, am I prepared to lay down everything for Jesus? Am I prepared to lay down all of, all of my comforts? I mean, we all get into comfort zones. We all like this and that. And, you know, we don't actually like to be inconvenienced. But the fact is, this guy gave up everything for Jesus. Just so inspiring. And... It just made me think about my life, and I thought, what am I doing with my life? What, what am I doing in obedience to God? What is God saying to me, and am I being obedient with that, or am I just living a comfortable life? And so that's the way that inspired me. But what I want to do is I want to write down some of the, the quotes that have been um, written down in the various articles, or the things that he said in that movie, and just expound a little bit on them. So the one thing he said was, you guys might think I'm crazy, but I think it's worthwhile to declare Jesus to these people. And you know, Jesus, before he was going to the cross, he encouraged his his disciples and he said that people are gonna think that you're on the wrong track. They're gonna persecute you because of the life you're living, and that you stand for me, that you've received this gospel, this good news, and this love of the Father. And that you're wanting to show other people this love. And they're not going to understand. They're not going to get it. And uh, I just thought this is exactly what he thought. He says, you guys might think I'm crazy. Uh, But then he went to go and say, but I think it's worthwhile to declare Jesus to these people. Now I am just so inspired by that. I just think it's worthwhile to declare Jesus to these people. I just think about my everyday at my work. I think about I'm a chiropractor. I treat patients. I've got little opportunities where I'm chatting to people. Am I thinking that it's worthwhile to declare Jesus to these people in this moment? Do I need, can I breach that professional barrier, that doctor-patient barrier? Can I actually do that? Or, or should I be a little bit fearful and think, oh, that's not professional? And, and God's been, been using me in that. And it's been amazing to see how God's enabled me to speak to people, and, and, and it's been incredible. But I just think about when, you, when you're driving down the road and you see someone and God says, hey, maybe stop and chat to that person. Or you're in the supermarket and you think, oh, maybe I should chat to that person. Is it? Do you consider it worthwhile just to share the love of God with someone that you bump into or you encounter on, your, your daily, on a daily basis? We see uh, another thing he said. He says, my name is John. I love you and Jesus loves you. <laughs> I just think that's absolutely incredible. And we see Jesus... He leaves heaven, he humbles himself, he comes down. And the Bible throughout the scripture speaks about the motivation of his heart being love. And how he saw the people in front of him, these people who were desperate for salvation. And yet he humbled himself and came down. And he gave everything. He put up with these disciples who were getting it all wrong. He put up with people who were assuming the wrong thing about him and wanted to make him king. he He just put up with so much of humanity out of love, and then finally with the pinnacle of going to the cross and dying so that we could be restored to him. And John Chow saw something of the love of God. You know, in Ephesians it says, Paul says, he prays, and he says, I pray that the Father will reveal the immeasurable love that he has for you. It's, it's further than what you could ever imagine in width, in height, in depth. It's just beyond your comprehension. But I pray that he would reveal to you a measure of his love that you may be made whole and complete, And this guy, John, had seen a measure of God's love, and it was the thing that drove him, the thing that spurred him on to see other people come to know that same love that Jesus had for him, for them. The next thing he said, he said, God, I don't want to die. I hope that this isn't one of my last notes, but if it is, to God be the glory. And that's, I mean, that's a radical statement right there, the fact that he's in a situation like that and uh, you might not find yourself in a situation like that. I'm, I'm pretty sure you, you won't. And this, his story is radical in the sense that he does become a martyr. But Christ has called us to love with the same love that he had for us towards others. He has called us to lay down our lives for each other on a daily basis. What does that look like for you? What does it look like for me? Well, only you know because you're in that situation. But he has called us to love people with a huge heart for them. Um, no, none of us actually want to suffer. No one, none of us actually want to be persecuted. We actually want that comfy life that, that the world actually offers us. But Christ has called us to lay that down and say, Jesus, whatever the cost, I'm going to serve you. What is the thing that you need to sacrifice, the thing that you need to let go of, the comfort zone that you're living in so that you can say, Jesus, use me in this situation or use me more for your power to come in the people's lives around me. He says here, he asked God to forgive any of the people on this island who tried to kill me, and especially forgive them if they succeed. And we just see the heart of Jesus in this. Jesus did exactly the same thing when he was on the cross. He says, father forgive them, for they know not what they do. And John was prepared to say that same thing. Incredible. I just want to quickly look at what his family and his friends said about him. His family said he loved God, life, helping those in need, and in nothing but love for the Central East people. His friend said he put his life on the line for Christ. That's really what his core was. And so my my inspiration from this man is is the core of who I am? Everything about Jesus? Is my passion, is my purpose, is it Jesus? And if it's not, why isn't it? And what do I need to let go of so that my whole heart can be devoted to Jesus? and that I can run after him with all of my heart. Imagine when you die, and I know it's a little bit morbid, but just bear with me, and on your epitaph, it said exactly that. It said, this man was fully dedicated to Jesus, or this woman was fully dedicated to Jesus. His heart, his core of who he am, was that he followed Jesus, and that his friends and family could see that, and that it was obvious for all to see. Wouldn't that be something that you would want at the end of your life? And I think that is what God is calling us to. And so... Once again, I do mention that obviously this is an extreme example, but this man has inspired me, and he has called me closer to Jesus. He has made me run harder after Jesus. He's made me fall more in love with Jesus. I've seen if this is what the love and the passion that this man can have for Jesus, I can have that too. And I want to ask you this morning, where are you sitting in terms of your relationship with Jesus compared to radically serving Him? I want to go back to that text that I read right at the beginning, that key text from Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2. You can go there if you want quickly. It says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself, up, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And you see, the story of John Chow isn't actually too far from the truth, in that we are so called as dearly loved children, the love that we have received from the Father that we would respond to Christ in love and pour out our lives in love for those, just as He did for us on the cross. And so I would like you today, if you feel inspired by this, if you feel convicted by this or challenged by this, I would like you to come up to the front, and I would love to pray with you that the fire of God, that His Holy Spirit would fall upon you, that the love of God would fill your heart that you may walk into everything that God has, not just for you, but for the people around you, that you may reveal the life of God to them, the love of Christ to them. The Bible has called us to be salt and light in this world. So I would like you to come up right now to the front, and we're going to pray. And I'm going to be included in this. I need to pray as well. Can everyone please stand? Okay, we're not going to get you to come up, but thank you for those who have come up. I want you to put up your hands if you want to respond to this. And i put my hands up. Lord Jesus, fill our hearts with your love. Father God, take us on into greater and greater measures of your love, that we may see who you are, Jesus, that we may see your glory, we may see your kindness and your love to us, Father God. And won't you fill us with your spirit and your love that we may live that out, Father God, to the people around us on an everyday basis, Father God. Won't you fan into flame and stoke the flame within our heart for the calling and the plans that you have for us, Father God, that we may start taking the steps necessary and making the sacrifices necessary to walk more into things that you have for us, Father God. Fill us now, we pray, in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Please sit down. That's amazing.
2: There we go. It really is good to see everybody. And well done, youth. Well done, Drew. Well done, Justin. Let's just give these guys a huge hand. I don't know, I don't know what you're like at home, but I'm a little bit like uh, I ask the children to do something, if they decide to do it, of course. But I ask them to do something, and then what I want to do is I want to make sure they're doing it properly. And so I kind of in there and kind of instead of just letting them learn and letting them maybe mess it up and maybe do well or whatever, I'm a little, I'm a lot like that actually. I'm a bit of a control freak like that. And uh, it's bad leadership just for those that know because if you do that, other people never get to grow and never get to do their thing. And so these moments like this, friends, there's there's a wonderful opportunity for us to grow and let these people grow and let them know that we believe in Mm -hmm. them that actually they can do this thing because actually we're not trying to build a slick sunday we're trying to build a community of faith across all generations and across all people groups and so actually this morning fills my heart with absolute wonder at what these guys are doing and i just want to say megan and drew you've done an outstanding outstanding job really just just building the foundations in and laying the foundations and uh, Justin, you guys are going to be absolutely superb. And I expect to see wonderful, wonderful things as you begin to deposit what's in your heart. You know, in, the, in the, the, the New Testament church was so not only multicultural but multi-generational that Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he actually has to lay down some things of how older people are to interact with younger people. And he says there, he says, listen, um, younger, younger men... What I want you to do is I want you to treat older men. Don't, don't, don't um, uh, abuse them or, or uh, kind of speak harshly to them. Actually, I want you to exhort y- older men like fathers, like they were your father. Which means you have younger men in leadership leading older men in the New Testament church. To the point that Paul has to say to them, listen, just a way you treat older men is to treat them like your father. You don't, you don't, you're not harsh with them. It's amazing, huh? And then he says to the older men, he says, older men, I want the way you treat younger men is I want you to treat younger men as though they were your brothers. He doesn't say to the older men, treat younger men as though they were your sons. He says, treat them like they're your brothers. So what it means is that older people have got to be the more mature ones, even though they might have the status in life, actually they've got to have a status of heart that actually these younger people are like brothers and sisters to them amazing, huh? Hey? That's how the New Testament church is meant to work. It's not like you're young and I'm older and I know more than you, even though you do. You don't let people, know, you don't let younger people know that. You actually treat them like brothers, as though they were kind of equals with you. And then he says the same thing to younger women and older women. He says, make sure that you treat older women like they were your mother. And, young, and older women, please impart your life to younger women, older women to younger women. So there's this Expectation in the New Testament church that it's a multi-generational church where actually there's this incredible honor. To, no matter how old you are in the life of the church, we don't discount you because you're young. We treat you like brothers and sisters, and because you're older than us, we don't speak harshly to you. We treat you like you, my father, like I would speak to my dad. It's an incredible picture of the New Testament church, and friends, that's the kind of community we are wanting to build. And so the kidsmen. Don't go out to kids' ministry. They go into kids' ministry. They go into something that's been planned and prepped for them so that they can grow in God. And youth on a Friday night is something that's not just on the side, kind of bolted on. Actually, no, it's a place where we want to engage with younger people and speak to them like brothers and sisters, not as teachers and adults, but brothers and sisters and engage with them and talk to them and sow into their lives so that they can become all that God's called them to be. It's an incredible picture this morning of the New Testament church. Giving space to, giving, giving belief into uh, a younger generation of people. And lastly, I want to say this. It says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, actually, 1 Timothy, uh, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And Corinthians is all about divisions in the church. And one person says, actually, Apollos is my guy. He's the guy that actually shaped my life. And another person says, No, Paul is the guy. Actually. And so what they're doing is they're dividing the church depending on the gifts that they recognize. And Paul has to come into them and come to them and say, listen, guys, I just want to let you in to go. I'm nothing and Apollos is nothing. Jesus is everything. And he has to come to them and says, I, he says, I planted, Paul says, and Apollos watered, but growth only comes from God. And he says, the one who waters and the one who plants is nothing, he says, but they have one purpose, and that is to ensure that God comes into those people's lives. And friends, I want to I encourage us as we journey with God in this family model of what it means to be church and what it means to be a community, where older people can interact with younger people and younger people can interact with older people and are not left out of the groups. They're included into our groups and into our conversations and all those sorts of things. But to remember this is that somebody does have to plant, And and what we learn from that Corinthians test is that there is a planting that needs to happen and there is a watering that needs to happen. And planting, when you look at the the words there, it could be be, uh, translated implanting. So somebody needs to do the implanting, but then somebody also needs to do the watering. It's kind of the the nourishing and the working through. But it is God that brings the growth. And so we want to be faithful in this multi-generational model of some will water, And some will plant, but we know God is bringing the growth. And so, what we want to do is, we want to be faithful with our part. And I want to encourage you: have young people in your home, support young people on their camp, and include part of your prayer life. Part of our prayer life is actually for young people, and that's what was highlighted on Thursday as we met as uh, as an eldership team. Is that actually I woke up, woken up that morning, and I just said, God, what do we? You know what I said? I said, God, what about the young people? We've got to see hundreds of young people come to you. And I said, God, what's the key? I was kind of in that mode. And you know what God said to me? Have you asked me for them? Have you asked me? You see, if you don't, you don't get, if you don't ask. And so there's this place where we've got to include young people in our prayer lives. We've got to, we've got to, they can't be on the periphery because they're young and because they don't speak sense all the time. And because they make mistakes. No, friends, I'm serious. So what we do is we just ex- exclude people. But in actual fact, we're meant to be planting. We're meant to be imparting. And we're meant to be watering so that God can bring the growth. We don't grow people. We don't see people. Actually, God does that. But some people are faithful with planting. And some people are faithful with watering. And all the steps in between. And so what Drew and Megan have done and what, what Justin is going to be doing has been, has been a profound planting and watering and seeing God bring growth it's an incredible thing and I want to encourage us as a community to bring young people into our into out of the periphery and into our into our gaze a little bit more a little bit more messy a little bit more noise a lot more food gets consumed a lot more food gets consumed I mean you heard you heard one of the young ladies say my mom she's an amazing cook I'm glad it's it's not just boys that think that it's the girls also I think that because in my home, boys, it's just food. Food is the thing. And um, but but it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us food, and it's going to cost us time, and it's going to cost us energy, and it's going to cost us prayer life, etc., etc. But friends, if we want to see a generation of young people come up, it's not just for me to say, "Come on, young people." It's for us to say, as a community, to say, "God, I want to be faithful to plant the seed, and somebody else who needs to be faithful to water the seed, and we trust in for God to add." And to grow what needs to happen in the young people it's an incredible incredible privilege once again amazing guys well done those that have gone off well done this morning keep going keep fighting keep standing keep going keep going to the nations keep going to one conferences they're all moments in god that actually god will bring life to you sarah you're an incredible incredible young lady she's not a young woman you're a you're a woman you're not just young you're just an incredible, incredible blessing to the kingdom of God, and it's amazing to see you, the processes of God in your life. Father, we thank you for your incredible grace, Lord God, over our lives. We thank you for young people. We wouldn't have young people if there weren't moms, and we thank you for the moms today. We, Father, bless them. Let their families and their children bless them, from the youngest to the oldest, from the newest to the oldest hand at being a mom. mom to the grandmothers and the great grandmothers, these great grandmothers in this hall, this this place this morning. And Father, will you come and bless them? Would you put your hand upon them? Would you take them further, more? Father, let their passion for you increase, increase, let their zeal for you increase, and let let moms be an impartation to their sons and daughters. Uh, And just continue to give and continue to release your blessing and your love to those around us, Lord. Father, we thank you for these young people. We ask you to add them more, add them, save them, Bless them, restore them. Father, just add life and gift to them. Let their gifts come on display amongst us. That we would be a, we would be a generation that doesn't hold back, but actually applauds and, 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 and helps those young people step into what they have, you have for them, O oh God. We bless you, we honor you. We thank you for the faithful people that are sowing. We thank you for the faithful men and women that are, that are watering, But, Father, we want to thank you for the growth, growth in numbers, growth in maturity, growth in gifting, growth in everything, Lord God, comes from you as we faithfully sow and plant and water, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Bless you guys.